Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. quarterback in the NFL. We're back! Softball Media Days presented by Anthony Sanella Realty rolls right along here on the Out of the Box Podcast. I'm not going to name the quarterback because that's, you know, his school is involved here today, but we don't like to talk about him. Hopefully we're not as annoying as that guy. (laughs) That's Tom Canterbury, annoyed by the quarterback. I'm Gray (laughs) Robertson. We're so excited that you're here. It's day two of Softball Media Days, and we've got just such a good episode coming up again make sure you follow subscribe like on twitter leave a review if you leave a review i'll mail you something i don't know yeah just you got a koozie hanging yeah, around koozie. i've got the boxes somewhere i don't know i moved in the off season it's been uh, it's been a hectic couple months but we've got arkansas georgia and auburn tom and you know these are three programs that were kind of all over the spectrum last year arkansas won the sec didn't get out of supers georgia just was bad at the end of the regular season made it to Oklahoma city. And then Auburn, I think has one of the best one, two punches in the conference. Certainly one of the best young pitchers in the league, if not the country, but the offense was not there last year to back them up. Yeah. There that's uh, we're going to talk with coach Dean about that, about, you know, how, how do you improve that area? Because you, you have, I think the talent in the circle to be able to, to make a move up in the conference standings, but, We'll have to see some improvement offensively. Yes. Now, of course, softball media days every day, all four days presented by Anthony Sanello Realty. Tom, it's cold. I'm tired. I just I just want to go to a beach house, stand on the deck, maybe a light pullover and grill some hamburgers. Yeah. And you can do that with our friend Anthony Sanello, who is a part of Alabama Beach Realty. You can buy, sell, rent, invest. AnthonySanellaRealty.com, 251-301-7694. Offers for the military, veterans, first responders, teachers. 5% of his earnings from your property transaction. It goes to your charity of choice or your local first responder sector. Great guy. He's going to help us get to the beach at some point soon. Anthony Sanella Realty. And not only a part of Alabama, Beach Realty, but also a part of Bama U. So yes. it all comes together, and uh, and you know that you're going to be done right by Anthony, and uh, he's he's just he's tearing it up down there in a good way. Yes. and that's yes, right. And uh, uh, really excited to hopefully get down there and see him again real soon. But you should go see him right now. Yeah, you should realtor from Mobile down to the beach, Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, that whole area for Alabama Beach Realty. Anthony Sinella Realty dot com. Anthony C I N E L L O realty r-e-l-t-y.com and again 251-301-7694 give them a call and you know even if you don't run a beach house say hey you know those out of the box guys are cool yeah thanks <laughs> Thank, like thanks for making softball media days possible <laughs> yes yes that is true 
All right, we're going to start with Courtney Diefel, Tom, the reigning SEC coach of the year. Arkansas, just the power trip of all power trips last year. I mean, everybody had home runs, a great one-two punch in the circle. In retrospect, I don't, I, I don't want to say we should have seen it coming, but it feels kind of foolish that we didn't have them top two or three in the preseason because you'll look at it, and this, this was a team last year that was solid top to bottom. And a scary thing Coach Diefel is about to say, folks, she thinks the offense is better this year. <sighs> Wonderful. Yeah, really excited. <laughs> I mean, wow. About it. Right. Now, I, we had them higher than most people. I did not have them in the top five after media days. I did in the preseason poll. I think I did, though. I think you had them three or four. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, 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 but like you said, we kind of similar to Missouri. I think we kind of saw it coming uh, because of, saw it coming because you had the, the schedule and then you also had those offensive numbers that even if you struggle at some points in the pitching circle, you're going to be able to maybe win some shootouts. And then by the way, you had Mary half who we saw, you know, be at an all American level her freshman year before the injury. We saw Adam storms being at an all American level before that as well. Um, if you got the type of performances out of them, they could be right there. And then you, that's what they got. And there they were. Yeah. And Arkansas, another team I referenced it in episode one, they're, they've got the, the talented transfers. Janice Dells, uh, I, I remember watching her with Tulsa in the Stillwater Regional a couple of years ago, a, a regional that Arkansas was in. Yeah. And she pitched really well on that one. You add Taylor Ellsworth from Texas. You add KB Sides from Alabama. You're going to hear what Coach Diefel thinks about that addition and where KB fits into the lineup. We've seen her bat everywhere. So, sure. it, you know, you can really put her anywhere you want. Callie Turner from Tennessee going to Arkansas. So, again, just the same question I have with Tennessee. How impactful truly are these transfers? I think that'll be the big question for the Hawks. 100%. And, and kind of where we get on a lot of these teams that have added a lot of transfers not how do they gel with the, the players that are already there do they totally buy into the culture are they able to to go right in there are there issues as far as that goes that can be the only thing that I think will derail uh, some of these teams that have added a lot of transfers and Arkansas is one of them but overall yeah if anything they've gotten better which is kind of scary plus a delight Courtney oh, yeah one of our favorites to talk to and not not a shock that she's been able to step right in and take Arkansas which you know, to be frank, was at the doormat, was mm -hmm. at the bottom of, of the conference uh, and turned it around in a relatively short period of time. And you can see how, and we talked about this last year when we talked to her too, you can see how after only one year at Maryland, the people making that decision at Arkansas saw that and said, "This we want her to be our coach. She's the one. Yeah. Here she is, Courtney Dipole, the head coach at the University of Arkansas, the reigning SEC Coach of the Year. She's up first here on day two of Softball Media Days, presented by Anthony Sinella Realty. We continue with Softball Media Days, and we head to one of our favorite spots. We had a great time there last year, Fayetteville, Arkansas, chatting with the reigning SEC Coach of the Year, the head coach of the reigning SEC champion, Arkansas Razorbacks, Courtney Diefel, joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. Coach, how does that sound when I say that? Well, shoot, I still, I still really like the sound of that. I wasn't expecting that intro, and um, I don't. You obviously can't see me, but I'm smiling. It's pretty exciting still. <laughs> Coach, when Tom and I do these interviews, we usually have a rap session after, and we just say, "Oh, you know, I like what she said," or "Oh, I like, you know, he brought up this good point." And after we talked with you last year, Tom and I both said, 
she's not giving us coach speak. See, she seems to know she's got something special brewing in 2021. Spoiler alert, you did. You won the SEC. You got coach of the year. At what point did you realize there was something really good going on in the locker room and that you could take this team to the title? Well, I, I think we were probably about halfway through fall. We knew we had the talent coming in. And as we saw it come together and we saw the chemistry of the team, we're like, this is not like, we just saw it really taking form. And so I would say probably about halfway through the fall. Um, and they did not disappoint. I'm just really, really proud of the group. <laughs> and, and as great of a regular season it was winning the, the championship and the conference, uh, unfortunately came to an end in, in the super regionals at Arizona uh, or against Arizona, I should say. Uh, what lessons did, did you and your team learn from that experience? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the biggest lessons, well, we, one, just need to play better um, at that point of the year. I don't think we were playing our best. Um, I think that um, we were all really disappointed. I think the big thing, the big takeaway for us is when we did our exit meetings, our team was pissed. Um, they sat there saying, they were just pissed that they were done playing. Um, they expected more out of themselves. Um, and so I, I just feel like we've seen this in our team, um, before and they've answered every time. So, um, I'm just, they're, they're motivated, they're hungry. And, and we, we know what's out ahead of us. We know where we want to get and, and we'll, we'll get there. We, we feel that coming, but but they were, you know, it, it doesn't help if it's just us that are mad. They were mad too. And um, just kind of saying, we're not going to be sitting here talking this time next year. Um, so I like that. I like getting that from them. And coach, despite the result, the atmosphere looked incredible in that super regional. That had to mean a lot to you to, to have that chance to host supers in Fayetteville. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's, it's really exciting just to see how far we've come. Um, we have some of the best fans in the country. I think the best fans in the country. Um, I know where you guys come from, so don't, <laughs> don't shoot daggers at me. Um, but our, our fans are incredibly loyal. And what we saw throughout the year is, is that they showed up for us big time. They showed up for this team. They, and they love the, they love the women of this team, not just the product, not just the outcome. Um, and that's what our fans are all about. So when you get to regionals and super regionals and it's packed and um, it's just an incredible atmosphere to the point where opposing coaches are finding me on the recruiting trail, talking about how um, great Bogle Park in Arkansas softball is for the sport of softball. Um, it's really, really exciting. Well, coach, one of those women that I'm sure they fell in love with was Mary Half, co-SEC Pitcher of the Year. And it was it was so good to see her finally back to what we knew she could be. She was so special early in her career, had all those injury problems. But last year, she was just so good and so dominant for you. What has she done in this offseason to improve even more going into 2022? Well, she has this lightness about her that I haven't seen. So I was kind of wondering how she was going to come back. I also have to add first team All-American to that yes. list. Uh, let's go ahead and put that on her list of accolades. Um, but, you know, she has worked this fall and I think she knows that she, she wants to step up. She wants to have something more in her rep repertoire that, that makes her even more effective. And I think that with that, she, um, she just has this lightness about her and this confidence and this, um, you know, that I haven't really seen. And 
it's actually really, really refreshing because a lot of times when you come off a year like that, or you're going, coming off a year like that, going into your last year, sometimes there's added pressure or added, um, I don't, I don't know, just this weight that you put on yourself and she has not shown that at all. And, um, I just, I'm really, really proud of her, but I just really even more so like where she is right now. And, um, just that look in her eye that she has about the season ahead of her. You had a great one, two punch with another, uh, all American in autumn storms who, uh, who graduated, but you, you were quoted last year saying that she thought that autumn really put the program on the map. Um, and now that, now that her career is over and you've had a chance maybe to look back on it just a little bit, uh, what do you, what do you think Autumn Storms means to Arkansas and to you as a coach? Oh my gosh, do we have enough time? Uh, (laughs) 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 she's like my, uh, she's like my daughter. I mean, a lot of them are, but, um, you know, she came in, in my second year and that first year we didn't have pitching our girls are they fought, they had a lot of heart, but we just didn't have the pitching that we needed to really, um, compete. And she came in and she was like, Oh no, I'm used to winning. I'm a competitor. Um, let's do this. And she continued to elevate our program every year. Um, and I think though, the biggest thing that if you watch autumn storms, um, you couldn't tell if she was hurting. You can tell if she was having a bad day. She is one of the best competitors I've ever had the privilege of watching. Um, and I think that's something that really took our program to the next level is just flat out competing and showing what it looks like to just do whatever you can to win. Um, and so I'm just really proud of the career that she's had and really, really proud of the person that she is. Yeah, she was a fighter. It was uh, it was awesome to watch her when we were up in Fayetteville, and uh, even in that game three to see that she was clearly you know dealing with some kind of issues and just the heart with which she pitched. Uh, yeah. Just an incredible career for her. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean one that will be in our record books, um, and she's earned that. So I'm I'm just really happy for her and proud of her. So behind her, you, you've got Mary Halfback. You've added some. New additions with Callie Turner coming in from Tennessee, Janice Dels from Tulsa, obviously some returners as well. It's a big pitching staff, probably the biggest you've ever had to deal with in terms of really quality arms. How do you plan on putting those pieces together this year? Well, we're still working on that. Um, It's kind of crazy coming off talking about autumn storms um, and having her graduate. It's kind of crazy to say this is the best pitching staff that we've had. Um, And the depth that we have, the really good quality depth that we have is really exciting. We've never had that luxury so much to work on matchups and, and do that. But when you're looking at shoot how strong they are and how much they complement each other. Um, it's all hands on deck right now to figure out how to best utilize them. Um, and I think that the best thing is they're all just all about the team and just, they know that they're going to see some different roles and they're up for whatever, because, um, they just want to accomplish that big goal. So, but it's exciting. I mean, they're fun to work with every day. Um, and they just, they're each other's biggest fans, which is, which is the really important piece. And so, yeah, a couple of transfers coming in. Uh, you also added KB sides from the transfer portal as well. Uh, so we, and we're seeing this all around all of college sports, college softball, no, ex- ex- no exception that teams are really being able to use the transfer portal to their advantage, especially, you know, teams like in the sec that can get in there and get somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has, you know, the kind of the, the absurgence of the transfer portal 
changed the way that you recruit or set up your roster or, or has it? Well, it's changed a lot. I think when you look back, we've had some really impactful transfers. Daniel Gibson, Braxton Burnside. We have Audrey LaValle still. We, we've had some transfers that have really left their mark on this program and continue to do that. And this summer was, was no difference. I don't, or no different. I don't, we don't plan on it per se, um, but it is where our sport is. And I think the big thing for us is we've been able to add not only really good talent, but really good character. Um, and I think that's the big piece is um, just, you know, we added four women this, this summer that elevate our character and our program. Um, and we expect for them to make huge impact. So KB and and Taylor Ellsworth, um, she wasn't on your list right there too, but we expect them to be everyday players for us. Um, we mentioned Callie and, and Shanice in both of the last conversations. They're, they're big arms, big fighters, um, and, and incredible people. So um, it's where our sport is. I don't know that I love it. Um, it looks like I do, uh, you know, this, this past summer, um, you know, we were in a spot where we feel like we owe it to our current roster to give them the opportunity to play that last year. And so when we had a couple not choose to use it, we needed, we were in a tough spot, you know, sometimes our loyalty can, um, put us in a tough spot, but we were able to come out of the summer, um, filling those holes and feeling really, really good about where we are. Yeah, one of those players who chose not to use that extra year was Braxton Burnside, who was just so spectacular last year, among many other fantastic players on your offense with Lenny Malkin and Daniel Gibson, who you mentioned, uh, just potent everywhere. Hannah McEwen, who always seems to get on base somehow. So with Braxton Burnside gone, how do you plan on filling that statistical hole with the offense that you've got? Does Taylor Ellsworth kind of fit automatically in there with her power ability? Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to ask for one to fill that, but I think that we're going to get some more production out of three or four to fill that. Um, Taylor Ellsworth is a huge addition to our lineup, as is KB side. So KB is swinging with a ton of power this fall and um, just really, really confidently. And, and Taylor is just one of the most consistent hitters that I've seen. Um, and just obviously with the numbers that she's put up, we're expecting them to take on some of that. But we're going to see, I think, more power, more production from Hannah McEwen. You know, I think she's one of, you know how I feel about her. I think she's one of the best hitters in the country, but she had to take two weeks off right in the middle of our SEC play. And I think, you know, keeping her healthy and keeping her at staple at the top of the order, I think is going to be huge for our lineup and huge for her. Um, and just, you know, you know, Lenny and, and Gibby and Hannah Gamble, Hannah Gamble, I think she's someone we're going to have to really watch this this season she was out four weeks last year and I think she's she looks really good right now too so I'm not I don't think we're going to ask for ask for just one to fill it I think we're going to going to get it from three or four but this is the best offensive lineup that we've had too is there anybody that we haven't mentioned so far that that we, you really are looking out to have a, a breakout year here in 2022 and then also is there a, a, a plan or a situation where you're going to be able to more incorporate speed into your lineup only four stolen bases last year. <laughs> um, everyone wants to talk about that. They think I don't like stealing bases. And then I, <laughs> uh, I want to ask them like, well, who would you steal with? Right. With no, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, we absolutely are going to have more speed. I mean, obviously with KB added um, and we were able to see a ton of that this fall, um, we're probably going to have her in the leadoff spot with Hannah hitting behind her. Um, 
you know, she just has great instincts on the bases. She gets to top speed really, really fast. And um, so we're definitely going to utilize that. And then we, um, we have some more speed coming down the pike, you know, with some recruits, but um, yeah, we're absolutely looking to do that. Love to hear that. I was in no way, uh, <laughs> no way being critical. I and mean, there's, yeah, sure. Everything, sure no, sure. you weren't. Everything you were doing was absolutely right. Dude. So, yeah, yeah words last year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know, but, um, who should I still, Lenny? Or right. what should I do here? No. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. we had some that could, but I mean, Hannah McEwen, she's she's quick. It just doesn't make any sense to run her in front of Brax. And right. so right. we'll definitely be able to add that layer to our offense this year. And I'm I'm excited about that. And we have a few exciting freshmen that we're we're pumped to see. Um you know, step into some big roles. So we really like where we're at. Um, we think it's going to be an exciting year. So we'll see. Arkansas head coach Courtney Dyfel joining us here for Softball Media Days. Coach, a couple more things before we let you go. These are the questions we've asked all the coaches. I'm very excited to get your opinion on this. Big news in the offseason. We've got Texas. We've got Oklahoma. They're coming to the conference. You've seen Oklahoma before in the postseason. Uh, Texas, I mean, nearby where you are in, in Fayetteville, how excited are you for those two additions and, and what it means for the conference going forward? Oh, well, I'm really excited. I, um, I'm also fine to wait the few years before they get in. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we're the strongest conference and we just made us stronger. And I think that we all love the competition that the SEC brings. And so when you're adding to, um, incredibly strong two of the most you know powerful teams in the country it just makes us stronger and which will make all of us better so I think um I think we're we're looking forward to that and I think we're also fine to wait a couple of years until that happens so. <laughs> and coach we've all had to deal with the with the pandemic here the last year and a half or so that has you know changed our lives in all different ways and I just wanted to see how has dealing with COVID and dealing with the restrictions and having to be flexible that type of stuff how is that change your the way that you approach coaching or, or dealing with your players well I think it makes um everything quite not like not quite as important to be honest um you kind of loosen up on some things you take things a little easier um and you you know just treat each individual I mean we always do but more in, like everyone's dealing with it different everyone needs something different so we just do what, what each individual needs and we're all just doing the best we can. So I think we give each other a little bit more grace. I think that I've gotten more comfortable, um, saying, I don't know, I'll find out. And, um, you know, and I think it's just made us a lot tougher and it's, it's made us really appreciate being in the moment. So, um, we continue to take some big, uh, takeaways from that experience. And I think it's made us stronger. Coach, I like what you said about extending grace. And Tom and I like to do that as often as we can, except when it comes to certain rules in college softball. And so that's why we were so excited to see the out-of-the-box rule change. You've got an extra day at the World Series. Replay is coming to the SEC in the regular season, not just in the tournament. Was there anything that the rules committee decided that you really liked uh, that you saw in this offseason? No, I think that 
anytime that our roles reflect the sport growing, I think is really, really huge. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I, I think some good things came out of the pandemic. I think it exposed some things that need changing. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I really, the format change was long overdue. Um, and, and some of those big things that just keep growing with the sport. And I think there's still more coming. So I'm, I'm just really excited about the direction we're going. And, and along those lines as well, we saw NIL get uh, get introduced as well. Um, just your thoughts on that and how have you thought and your team and Arkansas as a university has handled that? Well, I um, think our teams handled it really well. Um, and I think Arkansas, they were ahead of the curve on that a little bit. They've had a plan in place to make sure we were ready when that came. We knew we were anticipating it coming and we have a full team that um, equips our student athletes with the knowledge that they need, um, and just kind of, um, holding their hand through that process a little bit. And then it's been really fun to see. I wasn't sure how it was going to touch us so much. You know, I was like thinking it was going to touch football, baseball, basketball, but there is a good chunk of our student athletes that have, um, pretty good deals. Actually, Sam Torres just, um, got an NIL deal from Sam's club. They offered, um, 10 student athletes across the country named Sam, um, they could, um, apply interview. I think she had to do some TikToks, uh, presentation and she was just chosen and, and, um, got an NIL deal worth $10,000. So that's Oof. really big. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see them, um, kind of work the system a little bit and, and find their voice in that. And I think, I think that's huge. Absolutely. Uh, that great. I'm really glad to hear that and hope everyone is able to continue to take advantage of that. Something else that we take advantage of when we're out on the road is uh, eating. We, we love to eat wherever we are. And we have a, uh, a segment here on the podcast called Tom's Hungry, where we review everywhere that we went around the road. I personally am looking forward to the year that Arkansas hosts the SEC tournament because I will eat very well that weekend or that entire wow. week in Fayetteville. Uh, we had actually uh, one of the pe- uh, we do a podium at the end of the year. Uh, doomsday uh, coffee got got on the podium uh, for their for their breakfast tacos out in their ham and trees is always a big stop for us wherever we go but we wanted to get a couple more of of uh, your recommendations next time we're in Fayetteville where do we need to go eat oh you have to go to Herman's have you been to Herman's haven't been to Herman's we went to Wright's and then we were going to go to Herman's uh, but then it was closed on Monday we didn't realize it was closed Uh, so yeah yeah, we did Sundays and Mondays around here um, Herman's is very good and they have a really good cheesesteak. So, um, it's like chunks of uh, filet and it's really, really good. Um, and obviously rights is good. Our other favorites, like, um, like a Cuban restaurant in Rogers. So if you're feeling like branching out, we'll send you up there. Havana tropical grill. It's pretty good. Oh, wow. Okay. Absolutely. We, yeah. Herman's was, it was, we were down to rights or Herman's. And then we just oh, we'll do rights today, and we'll do Herman's tomorrow, and then realize Herman's was closed. So, yeah, but you we'll, can go wrong we'll with either one of those. Those are staples in in Fayetteville, so you're you're in the right lane. Well, we can't <laughs> wait. We can't wait to be back. Courtney Diefel joining yeah. us here for softball media days, Coach. Congratulations again on a great year last year. We're looking forward to see what the Hogs are up to in 2022. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day. Thanks, Coach. So that's Courtney Diefel. The offense is going to be better. That's a terrifying sentence. But I think also, 
you know, you lose Autumn Storms, but Mary Half is back, and she said this is the deepest and most talented pitching staff they've ever had. Now we'll see who gets the ball beyond Mary Half in conference play and in those difficult situations because you don't want Mary Half to be in a situation like Ashley Rogers was in last year where she runs out of gas by the postseason. But I think that barring a catastrophe or some bad injuries, it's hard to see Arkansas outside the top five this year. Oh, yeah. No, I think they're certainly – in, in that slot to where they're having a first round buy in the SEC tournament and uh, being able to be a national seed once again. Um, it was interesting to hear talk about KB sides is likely the leadoff hitter, um, which is one of the spots where we saw her in Tuscaloosa and uh, she can certainly do that there. And that might help them be able to use speed. But again, like I, t- I was telling her, I wasn't at all criticizing because I, I agree when, when you have those home run hitters, you don't want to run yourself out of innings. We had that debate often yeah. with, with Bailey Hempill up at the plate and Alexis Mack on first. Right. You know, and if you don't have somebody with the elite speed of Alexis Mack or, or Alyssa Brown, then yeah, there's no reason to take that chance because you're going to score from first or for second if you hit it over the fence. Right. So I, I <laughs> totally understand why there wasn't much stolen bases for Arkansas last year, but it's certainly – and an extra weapon you want to be able to use um, in case you're having one of those games where you're not hitting it out. You know, you don't want to be so one dimensional offensively, but uh, KB is going to be able to help them with that too. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly thinking that Arkansas is going to be a contender to uh, possibly repeat. Now, if they want to though, a lot of eyes will be on those first two conference series at Tennessee and LSU at home. There's also a trip to Florida, which is going to be tough anyway, Yeah, but I think that Arkansas is going to answer a lot of questions with those first two SEC weekends, again, at Tennessee and LSU. Last year, they got LSU late. They did not have to play Tennessee. This year, you open up with Ashley Rogers, who will presumably be healthy at that point, and you've got an LSU team that's going to be right up there as always. So it's it's a tough way to really kick things off in conference play for the Hogs. It is, but I think it'll be kind of a similar situation as last year in the fact that you know, once they got past those first couple, you know, because I remember at that, we were about halfway through the conference schedule and we were like, where are the losses coming for Arkansas yeah. for Alabama to have a chance to catch them? Even after the, even after the series when Alabama took two or three from them, um, that may be another situation again. If they're able to get through those first two conference series at four and two or five and one, that, that's like, I mean, they're two games up. Yeah. I mean, oof. yeah, goodness gracious. Arkansas and Alabama not on the schedule this year. Sure, it'll happen in uh, Gainesville <laughs> and possibly in one of the places in Super Regionals. Oklahoma City, who knows? Right, who knows? <laughs> so, Courtney Diefel, reigning SEC Coach of the Year. And, and not the first person to say that we had a grave error by not going to Herman's in, in when we went to Fayetteville. A popular opinion, although to be fair, she also was the one on Twitter that first said rights yeah. and then Herman. So, I don't know. Also, Megan Turk, who uh, gave us Doomsday. Also gave us rights. As yes. Well. So, and Megan gave us Doomsday. Oh my that God. is like, that was my silver medalist. Am I, am I bronze? It made both our podiums. So, you know, we couldn't go wrong. Like I said, I'm, I'm ready for whenever the SEC tournament's going to be in Fayetteville because I will just eat for a long time and it'll be fun. I hope I'm still around for that. <laughs> I don't know how the math works, but we're going to go back to Fayetteville eventually. Next up, we've got Tony Baldwin and the University of Georgia. First year head coach. Tony Baldwin, he's been at Georgia for so long. He's commonly been mentioned as one of the best assistant coaches in the game, and now he's getting a shot in Athens. Yeah, and it's uh, this is a an interview that it, 
you would not know, as I said uh, last last episode, you would not know that this this is his first year as a head coach. Uh, the way he, he's able to go through this interview, and uh, I think you're not going to see much, if any, drop off. If anything, it'll be an elevation from uh, the from uh, Lou. That's next after the break here on Softball Media Days, presented by Anthony Sinella Realty. Welcome back. Shall we bark at people, Tom? <laughs> well, I'd rather not, but okay. <laughs> we don't have to. Okay, thank you. Thank you. But, but this is something they do. They do. The yes. University of Georgia. Athens, Georgia, one of our favorite spots. Oh, yes. Um, the reigning Tom's Hungry champion. Yes, unanimously. Oh, yeah, 100%. Also a team that, you know, just to make the joke one more time, inexplicably made it to the World Series. The truth had her last stand and it was beautiful to watch. That was not a World Series team for 90% of the year, but they went on a run and it sets them up in an interesting spot because yes, the truth is gone. The pitching questions, you'll hear what coach Tony Baldwin says in just a moment here on day two of softball media days presented by Anthony Sinella Realty. Those pitching questions still exist, but everybody else is back and they're young and they're hungry. And that offense is going to be something to watch this year. It really is. And it's going to be, uh, a team that it might have some more ups and downs throughout the year, but if they are able to hit one of those ups at the end of the season, like they did last year, uh, could make another really deep run. Also, you know, this was one of our earlier interviews. These are, this is not the order that we record these interviews, spoiler alert, as we let you peek behind the curtain, but you know, we did an interview prior and we said that'll probably be one of the longer ones we have. Mm-hmm. And then we talked to coach Baldwin and I looked at the timer and said, oh, my gosh, we, we need to let this man go. We've taken up so much of his time. But just an easy conversationalist. And uh, we'll talk more about what he said when we get back after you hear the audio. But I was so impressed. Yeah, very much so. I mean, because in addition to the interview time, there was time, a little bit of time before and after when we just were chit-chatting with him before we actually hit record. And, yeah, I, I felt like he, he would have talked with us for another half hour if he wanted to. Maybe we'll have him on during the season. Sure. I don't know. But for now, we've got him here on day two of Softball Media Days. It's the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, Tony Baldwin, right now. Softball Media Days continue, and we go to one of our favorite spots in the entire SEC. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, talking with the new head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, Tony Baldwin. Coach, welcome. First of all, congratulations on getting the job, and I want to open there. Uh, we saw coach Lou Harris Champer retire right at the end of the world series run. And then I don't know from your perspective, what it felt like, but for me, it felt like we waited an eternity for the announcement that you were finally getting the job. What was your experience during that stretch? And what were your first thoughts when you officially were named head coach? Well, uh, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate what you guys do. And, you know, People that are as invested in the game of softball and promoting it like you two, uh, happy to be on with you guys. So appreciate what you guys do. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes uh, when you're when you're running late, a minute feels like it goes by like that. But when you're sitting and waiting, it feels like forever. Well, that's kind of what like two weeks in a job search felt like. You know, mm-hmm. when you step back and you look at it, they really pulled it together pretty quickly and. I respect them doing their due diligence and, and going through the process. Um, and, you know, in the big picture, two weeks is pretty quick uh, to get it all pulled together. But it certainly felt like a good good bit for me. And 
you know, talking with our players and talking with the recruits and talking with our alums, you know, that was certainly a, a gratifying and a, and a humbling process, but a little nerve wracking too, uh, until I finally got the call. And then, um, and then uh, when I did get the call, it was, you know, both relief and, and excitement and, you know, uh, just uh, thankful, really thankful for the opportunity and, you know, uh, just happy to see a lot of the work that an investment that's gone into this program pay off, uh, you know, and excited to carry it forward. You've put together quite an impressive coaching staff. You have JT D'Amico coming over from Washington and a couple of former Bulldogs with Chelsea Wilkinson and Alyssa DiCarlo on the coaching staff. What was uh, kind of your, your criteria? What were you looking for when you were filling out your coaching staff? Well, like anything else, you win with people. And, you know, so that was the first part was to get people that you just enjoy going to work with and, and, and being around. That was one of the first criteria. And then, you know, trying to complement things, you know, I, I certainly have done this long enough to know that I have some strengths, but there's some areas that, you know, we could uh, do better. And, and so, you know, they're part of me, my goal was to put together a staff that, you know, complements each other. And, and so JT was certainly a big piece of the puzzle. Um, outstanding recruiter and just tremendous job with, with the defense defense. Uh, it has been, you know, really noticeable already this fall in terms of not only just the information that they're getting, but the buy-in and, you know, finding people that really find joy in defense, you know, sometimes that, you know, can be a little bit monotonous, but it's, you know, you, you certainly uh, regret uh, when you haven't put in the time on it uh, in those big games. So, so he's been great and his energy, you know, he shows up to the park every day, you know, like it's the best day of the week. And, and that is contagious. Uh, Chelsea and, and Liz bringing people back that have one been successful here at Georgia, uh, but also just have a lot of pride and passion for the program and what it, what it's all about. That was really big. And, you know, it's been noticeable in recruiting. It's been noticeable in the buy-in of our players. And uh, so just really thankful that they all uh, came on board and, and just really excited uh, about what we've been able to do this fall and, and what we can do in the future. Coach, before we dive into last year, I want to ask kind of a quick follow-up on that. You know, it, being the associate head coach and being the head coach are two different roles. What challenges have you found making that transition in this offseason? Well, you know, the best way that I have found to explain kind of the transition is I, I spend a lot more time managing people than I do swings. You know, as the associate head coach, you know, I spend a lot of time recruiting, working on recruiting and how we could improve our girls, you know, swing mechanics, hitting ability, their performance as related to that. Um, and I you know, I can't totally get away from the, the swing part of it, uh, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, Liz is unbelievable. She's somebody that not only was she was a really good player, but she understands hitting really well. When she finished uh, her playing career, she still had a semester of school left. And so she, you know, worked that semester as a student coach and, and she was unbelievable. 
And I told her then that, you know, she'll go really far in this business as a hitting coach if she ever wants to do it. Well, she went and pursued, a, you know, an IT career and, and she's uh, really good on the uh, you know, programming and data stuff like that. And, and after a couple of years of doing that, she's like, nah, I just want to be on the field. And so the timing worked out perfect to get her back. But, you know, I spend time talking with her about like, hey, these are the things we need to be aware of or look for. Um, now you go figure out like, what are we going to do today? And so that's been fun of helping her and, and getting her input. But just having my hand in a lot more things, I think is probably the biggest difference. And then in terms of last year, just what a crazy ride it was for your team. 11th in the SEC, you lost 13 and 15 going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Not many people, I would guess, projected that you would make a run like you did, but Georgia made it to the Women's College World Series. You had a chance to beat Oklahoma State in that first game. What are your main takeaways from what was a really topsy-turvy 2021? Sure. Well, when we were sitting here at this point last fall and we had 15 players with freshman eligibility, we knew that there was going to be some waves, you know, as you, as you go through there, some highs and lows. And so it wasn't something we weren't unprepared for. Um, we knew we had some talent, but there was all over the map in terms of that talent being prepared for what the SEC uh, looks like. Uh, And then, you know, some of our early ups and downs came from just trying to figure out who was going to fit in where and play what roles. Uh, Doing that in practice is one thing. Doing it over the course of a weekend is is another. And so that took a little bit of time. But but we saw some glimpses of our ability to play at a high level. Um, And, you know, that's the beauty of the the tournament is that, you know, you just have to string – together you know a couple good weekends and you're you're in Oklahoma City and and we were able to do that and you know one of the things that when we came back from the SEC tournament we we talked that you know in 2016 we went to the SEC tournament lost in the first round came home and got better and ended up making a run to the World Series in 2018 we lost in the, the SEC tournament in the first round we came home, we got better, made a run to the College World Series. And, you know, so then we came back this past year and said, why not this? Why not us? Uh, and then we got an opportunity based on some of our big wins early in the season to, uh, and, you know, the COVID year sort of played into our hands a little bit in, in our favor and that we were given an opportunity to host uh, that regional, even though we weren't the top seed in the regional, we were still playing at home. Um, and all of those things, the, the ability to go to work, the ability to play at home really kind of gave us some momentum. And then, um, you know, playing Florida is never an easy thing, but at least it's a comfortable thing. It's somebody that we faced on a regular basis that we were familiar with. Um, and so that was probably just another one of those where certainly they had a great team and over the course of the 56 games, they outperformed us but we didn't have to play him 56 times. We only had to play him best two out of three. And, and we were able to go down there and put it together. So Tom, when we're making picks next year, we need to remember if Georgia loses in the first round of the SEC tournament, world series bounce. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, Coach, well, you know, you, you, 
you mentioned all that talent. Uh, it was a lot of young talent that is all coming back this year. Uh, you have so much of your lineup coming back. Uh, what will have gone going through that type of a season you had last year, uh, you know, help them as they move forward here for 2022? Sure. You know, I think the biggest thing for us is just understanding the difference between experiences and expectations, right? Sometimes what you have a tendency to do uh, when it comes to your memories is you remember the end and you remember the highlights and you have a bit there's like a defense mechanism in there or something that makes you kind of forget some of the low lights. And so what happens is you sit here today and you think, oh, we went to the World Series and everything was great and rosy when there was also some struggles in there. And, and so getting them to understand that they can learn from those experiences, but they have to understand that you're just not going to roll out there and start with a head start. You don't start with a 2-0 count as a hitter or a 0-2 count as a pitcher based on what happened last year. Uh, I think sometimes as sophomores, um, that can be one of the harder years for you because you think you know right? You've gone through the year and you think you know what it's all about. Um, but what you don't understand is that every year is different. There's going to be a whole set, new set of challenges that we face and who knows what those are going to be. And you, you can't predict what they'll be until you get into them. So we've just spent a lot of time talking about like being the best version of us and, and being able to take whatever comes our way, you know, as it comes. I want to ask that. I was going to say, that, that sounds like my golf game. You remember the, the good shots <laughs> and, and yeah, and a putt you made every once in a while. You don't remember all the, the terrible shots throughout the day. Sure. <laughs> and those yeah. good shots inevitably seem to happen at the end of the round. So, you know, you, you end up yeah. to come back again, right? Yeah, they keep, <laughs> they keep you coming back and thinking, this will be the time I shoot yeah. a 40. No, it, it no, doesn't happen. No, it will not. <laughs> uh, I did want to ask specifically about one player that Tom and I both saw a lot this summer in L.A. Armistead down at the FGCL. Uh, she was so impressive. I remember, I think it was the second day, the first game of the circus that I got to call. She had a walk-off home run. She showed the power. She was leading off consistently for that team this summer. Since she's come back, have you seen, I guess, improvements from her and, and ways that the summer really helped her overall? She's a heck of a player, I'll tell you that. You know, physically, she can do some things that others just can't. You know, uh, defensively, she has a chance to be as good as anybody across the country. I'm sure you saw glimpses of that this summer. Uh, with the bat, you know, she's got the ability to, you know, for somebody who's not super physical in terms of her statue, she's got surprising little thump in her back. Yeah. Um, so as far as her coming back, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of what I was talking about with her is the adjustment of like, Hey, just a reminder that, you know, the other kids that you're facing, they're pretty good too here. And it's not just going to happen just because you had a good summer doesn't mean you're going to, you know, get a 2-0 count every time here like you got to put in the work and and so that's that's a part of it uh you know managing all of the school work and you know all of that kind of stuff is just different mm -hmm. the thing that uh about ellie is she just loves to play ball i mean if she could be on the field all day every day that would be her happy spot and uh that's what summer ball is like right? You just, you're just playing ball and she loves it. And so managing a few more things on her plate, you know, that can get uh, a little difficult for her sometimes. So, so there's been some, 
highlights this fall for sure. And there's some things that she's got to continue to grow. Um, but I'm sure thankful that she's in the red and black and she's a heck of a player. Uh, we talked about you had a lot coming back in, in far as your lineup goes, but in the circle, obviously losing Mary Wilson Avant, that, that's a, a, a huge uh, chunk of returning uh, playing time there. So uh, what, what are you looking at as far as replacing her in the circle? Yeah, you know, it's um, like it doesn't take, uh, you know, like I said, a super sleuth to figure out that, you know, we've got some question marks there in the circle, but we do like the people that we have. Um, but we're going to have to do it by committee and uh, they're going to have to continue to grow their game. I'm pleased with the progress that they've made this fall uh, in terms of their ability to just be consistent. That, that's really, the, it hasn't been as much a stuff issue as it is a consistency issue. And I think that they've done a good job of growing that part of their game. But Right now, you know, Britton Rogers is probably uh, pitched the best for us. Um, and she's uh, really grown in her mindset, her ability to uh, repeat her pitches, locate her pitches. Last year, uh, she really survived on a, a plus plus changeup. Um, but the other stuff wasn't as consistent. She, the, really, the only pitch she could throw consistently for a strike. Um, a quality strike was her changeup, where now she's starting to be able to throw multiple pitches, you know, that are more competitive and uh, really pleased with where she's at right now. Uh, Madison Kerpix is another one that last year, last fall, really established herself as our number two pitcher behind Mary. And then uh, got off to a really good start I think she threw like a one or two hitter against Miami of Ohio, who is a NCAA tournament team and, and was throwing really well and, and then uh, got uh, injured and never really kind of got it back for the rest of the season. So she's somebody that while didn't get a lot of exposure last year, um, she's somebody that has thrown great this fall and, and we're hopeful that she can do some good things. Lauren Mathis, uh, has probably been throwing as well as she has in the last several years, um, which was has been fun. She's a heck of a competitor. Uh, and just getting her to throw more quality pitches has kind of been the name of the game. And, and her and Chelsea have really connected. And I think we found a plan that works for her, uh, that she feels confident in. And so uh, excited for her. And then we have a freshman, Kylie Macy, who's been throwing awfully well. And she's uh, you know, she's got a lot of, she's going to have to do some things here before we can really start the comparison game. But if you're going to make a comparison, she is a, uh, young Chelsea Wilkinson in terms of what wow. she does. She's spins like she's a 40 on the rev and can really, really spin it, uh, deception. She can throw her rise ball at all the different levels. And so somebody very similar, to Chelsea, who, you know, has uh, obviously been able to connect pretty well with in the bullpen. So we'll use uh, the combination of those four to try and get us through. Uh, and, and then hopefully we can play a, a little bit higher level defense than we have in the past and, and then continue to be, you know, uh, offensive and uh, see what we can do. 
Georgia head coach Tony Baldwin joining us here for Softball Media Days. Coach, now we get into a lot of the discussion portion of the conversation. And, uh, you know, you got the job, and then a month later, the SEC changed because it was announced that Oklahoma and Texas would be coming into the league. Uh, obviously, you know, you beat Oklahoma last year. You've had run-ins of both of those teams throughout your tenure uh, at Georgia in the associate head coach position. And now they're going to be on the regular season schedule pretty consistently as the head coach. What do you think about those two teams moving into the conference and what does it mean for SEC softball? Well, I think it sure, sure is exciting, uh, you know, just continue to grow the brand of SEC, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, you have to beat them to win the whole thing anyway, you know, so you may as well just get used to playing them. And, uh, you know, and, and they're both, you know, highly, highly quality programs for sure. Um, and, you know, and so I don't want to just say, oh, it's just another weekend in the SEC because, you know, that I don't want to be disrespectful to them by any stretch. But every weekend in the SEC is like playing in a super regional. They're all good. And so certainly adding more quality to our league is, is a great thing. Uh, I think the exposure that the game is getting, you know, the fact that they're building a new stadium is, is great for the game of softball. And I, I just think that it's good for the game overall that the fans get to see better competition, better matchups every single weekend. So excited about it. Friends with, uh, with the coaches at both of those programs and, and just excited to get to see them on a more regular basis. Coach, we've all gone through something the last couple of years with, with COVID and, and, you know, obviously we know what happened in 2020, 2021, kind of back to normal, but it, there was still a lot of restrictions and things like that going on. Uh, how has uh, what we've dealt with the last couple of years changed the way or has it changed the way that you, you coach and you manage your programs? Sure. Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing is um, – just staying connected with the players is a big deal. And I think it was made a little bit more uh, brought to the forefront when everybody was apart, you know, is finding ways to still be connected and understand, let them know that we're, we're still here and, and we're here for them. Uh, so I think as we've now grown our ability to get more and more back together, we haven't taken that for granted and, and really try to, communicate well, spend time uh, talking with them, uh, and really placing a high value into our community and culture altogether. Uh, so I think that's important. You know, I think there was some positives that probably came out of it in terms of the communication piece. And then we've just enjoyed the fall season. Last fall was a lot of fun. We, we scrimmaged a lot and played games with each other. Uh, and and I felt like that allowed us to grow. I don't know that had we played outside competition, we maybe would have advanced as quickly last year with our youth as we did. So we were able to play a lot of games where everybody got a chance to play. So there's some of those things that we've taken from that experience that we've used to our advantage. But more than anything, it's just, you know, connecting with the girls and, and keeping our family together. Uh, and, and being thankful that we get to do that face-to-face -face now. That's really interesting. You are not the first coach to bring up fall ball and how playing 
kind of inner squad scrimmages last year might have helped your team more than playing outside competition. Do you feel like that might be something you look at going forward, maybe scheduling less outside teams for fall ball? Yeah, you know, when I when I was able to take over this position, you know, we went with that approach this fall and, and we just played one fall game. You know, one of the downsides to not playing any fall games last year was that the first time we posted a lineup was February 10th or 11th <laughs> or whatever the opening day was. And so you've got a, you know, a team where every single day they've been on either the red team or the black team. And now there's only nine people that get to be in the lineup, 10 people that get to be in the lineup. And uh, there was an adjustment to, to that. You know, some of the kids that that was their first time ever being on the bench or not being a starter or the first time that their parents have showed up to the ballpark and their child wasn't in the starting lineup. So there was a whole adjustment piece of that. So this fall, we really wanted to take what we liked about last fall of no games and kind of keep that going but add in at least one opportunity to put a lineup together where they could kind of get experience now. But what I found is I, I don't think I fully appreciated how much when there's somebody in the other dugout with a different uniform on how that changes things. And, and so even though we played a team where by most consensus, we should win, um, our girls talked about like, oh, they were nervous and they had, you know, some anxiety of just playing another team. And so that may be something we're going to have to try and balance, maybe play a couple more games next year. Um, but I don't want to lose the opportunity to play all of the inter-squad games and try and make them more formal. So like tomorrow we're playing a more like a football spring game kind of a thing, a formal red and black game where we're going to have people in the stands and see if we can't create some of those nerves, um, even though we're, we're, we're still playing within ourselves. Coach, another thing that, that has really uh, kind of changed the way that all of college sports is, is being run right now is kind of the explosion of the transfer portal and how, and how prevalent that has become. Also got the elimination of the, uh, you don't have to sit out if you transfer within the conference, that rule anymore. Uh, has that changed the way that, that you recruit, knowing that you can, you know, worst comes to worst, you can maybe, you know, jump in the portal and grab somebody if something's open? Or um, has that changed anything about the way that you set up years down the road in your program? Well, it's certainly a part of the conversation. I mean, uh, as a staff, it's something that we talk about. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what I believe wholeheartedly is that our players will perform best when they know we're invested in them. And so I don't know that you can create that if your players are coming and going all the time, if it's just free agency. Now that there are teams that do it successfully and kudos to them. It's just not my nature. You know, I, I'm somebody that, uh, and Lou taught me this, you know, was that the best way to get the most out of people is be all in on those people. And, mm. you know, if I'm only in dipping my toes in the water, then, then I'm not giving them, everything of myself and how could I ever expect them to give that back to me in return. So, so that's a, the part of it. Now, you know, we've been on the, the wrong side of the transfer portal uh, over the last few years, um, so to speak, if you will. Um, but it's worked out great for those girls and, and, you know, they still keep in touch with us and, and, you know, it's all good. And, and that's what this college experience is supposed to be like. And, 
and we've been on the positive side of the transfers over the years. You know, Alex Hugo was a pretty darn good player for us that came in. Sydney Emmanuel was a transfer, you know, uh, Kendall Burton was, we've had good transfers come into our program too, but it, uh, so it's not something that we won't continue to look at and see if we can use to our advantage, but I don't think that we're going to be transfer you uh, anytime soon. Georgia head coach Tony Baldwin joining us here on Softball Media Days talking about Georgia and rules changes because coach, my goodness, after what feels like a, a decade since we've seen major change in the sport in areas we've been asking for there to be change. We saw a lot here in the offseason with replay coming in. Uh, finally, an extra day at the World Series, which people have been begging for. Uh, you've got a new out-of-the-box rule, which we on the Out of the Box podcast wholeheartedly endorse. Was there anything out of that list or anything else that you really liked and you're really happy to see come about this offseason? Well, I do think that the out of the box rule has kind of changed the game fairly significantly. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. I don't know that it's, whether it's better or worse, you know, when, when slappers were able to go wherever they wanted, I don't, I don't know that I thought that was the right thing. Um, but it's got, it got then so far on the other side where you really almost were taking slapping out of the game. And I think that's a neat part of, uh, the game of softball and, and a challenge for pitchers and defense. So giving them an opportunity to part, be part of the game, I think is a right call. And, and so I, I, I th- I'm, I'm okay with the decision. And I, I think that's going to be a good, uh, the, the rule, uh, the re- replay, uh, I think is great for the game in general, as long as it continues to I think one of the great things about softball is the speed of play and, and uh, the ability to get a game in in two hours. Uh, I would hate for things to get slowed down too much. You know, we at the, at the SEC tournament, we use replay now, I think, for two, two times down at Texas A&M we had it, and last year at Alabama. And I'd be inter- I, I don't remember what the statistics are, but I mean, it's a pretty high rate of success that our umpires are actually getting the calls right. Um, But I do think it prevents the opportunity for, uh, you know, a big game to be swayed on a controllable mistake. So, you know, I'm in favor of it as long as we can use it effectively. Uh, And then certainly everybody works their whole life to get to the College World Series and you want it to be a real positive experience. Uh, and I, I think spreading it out gives an opportunity to create that. You know, unfortunately, we've been on the wrong side of some games out there. And one of the things I've always hated is like the last out is made and you're literally getting shooed off the field. Like you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. It's like, listen, we worked our whole careers for some of us just to get to this game. Yeah, it stinks that we lost, but can't we at least give a hug and, and you know, pick up our stuff before we got to, you know, run out of here. So the, the fact that we get to spread it out, I think, is going to be able to create a little bit better experience on the front end and the back end of the games. Uh, uh, Coach, now we've got all that out of the way. Most importantly, uh, we do a segment on this podcast called Tom's Hungry, where we go and we, uh, we review and we talk about the places we've eaten on the road. The reigning champion of Tom's Hungry is from Athens, and it's the last resort. Oh, uh, so, of course. Yeah. So that that is that is that is the reigning champ right now. So it's gonna it's gonna be a couple more years before we go back to Athens, but 
we need some recommendations. What are some other places we, we should be hitting when we go to Athens? What, one of, like, like Ray said, one of our favorite cities in the entire conference. Well, um, you know, you can't go wrong with last resort, the food and dessert. I mean, oh, the dessert oh. is unbelievable. It's the My white gosh. chocolate cheesecake that, oh. that does something to you. It's, it's a so religious there's a place experience. It's called Cecilia's. <laughs> that they make the cakes and it is like it's unbelievable that, that's my standing birthday gift from my family is a cecilia's cake um and then of course you know you can't talk about food in athens without talking about mama's boy for breakfast um but now i'll tell you the old yogi Berra quote you know certainly applies to mama's boy uh yogi said no wonder nobody ever comes here it's always so busy Right. Um, and that's mama's boy. I mean, the lot, the place is lined up every time it takes forever. Um, but it's unbelievable for breakfast. Uh, you know, La Paria is a really good place downtown. Oh, De Palma is a really good place downtown for uh, Italian food and, and just kind of American food. Really good. La Paria is pretty good. Uh, of course, you know, you got Cali and Tito's, which is like Cuban food and it was on guys grow uh guys uh diner drives and whatever that place that show is <laughs> yes. and Tito's is a pretty good spot that's one of jt's favorites here uh as he's adjusting to uh to athens well, we've got great. more to go to that's great we although we will be going to the last resort next time we're in athens we are you traditionalists can't, can't but... not go there <laughs> <laughs> Just again, the white chocolate cheesecake is oh. one of the best things to come out of the southeast in ever. So, for sure, for sure, <laughs> Coach Baldwin, uh, thank you so much for taking some time to to chat with us about your program. Again, congratulations on getting the gig, and uh, good luck this first season as the head coach. I, I know you've been in Athens for a long time, but I'm sure you're especially excited to get your tenure going this season. For sure, looking forward to it, and uh, just appreciate you guys. Like I said, appreciate what you guys are doing for the game, and. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thanks Josh. All right. That's Tony Baldwin, first-year head coach, longtime George Bulldog. That's a team. I'm really excited to see what they do. And in particular, you know why I'm really – why I'm high on Georgia? I don't, I don't know what their standing is going to be, but I think they're going to be a really good team this year. I love the way Coach Baldwin put his staff together. You get JT D'Amico from Washington. Chelsea Wilkinson, a former dog, comes in to be the pitching coach. You have Alyssa DiCarlo to help there with the hitting. We all know the numbers she put up. I think that's a really good staff for a first-year head coach. I think he put together the right people for that program. Yeah, I mean, that's, you can, that's, a, that's an all-star, all-star coaching staff to go with uh, someone. Again, first year as a head coach, but he's been a part of that program for so long. Uh, I don't think there'll be any drop-off there. And um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm high on where Georgia uh, can be. I don't know where they'll end up in the standings overall, uh, but they're a team that I don't think you'll want to play once you get to postseason. And uh, ironically, you know, we, we made the joke and talked to him about, you know, you hit that one good shot in golf and, it, you know, and that's the one that you remember. Like two days after we did this interview, I played golf. I played at a par three course and on the 18th hole, I missed a hole in one by about a, about a foot. And that's the only birdie I had of the entire day. So I did not play well at all until that, I hit that one good shot. That's the one shot I remember. So it's similar to what George is. That's the one thing you remember. You don't remember the 13-game losing streak. You remember beating Oklahoma, and you remember making the run to the Women's College World Series. And so they have a lot to kind of bounce, you know, to, to, to 
uh, elevate them uh, off of springboard them from what they did last year. For a 34 and 23 team, that's not a bad high. Right. You're one of the four losses Oklahoma had, and he made it to the World Series in one of the final eight teams. It's interesting. Again, the pitching, something to watch, and we'll see what that staff looks like with Chelsea Wilkinson. It's an interesting conference schedule for them. They have some good, solid opponents in the non-con. Nobody super-duper insane, at least from what we've seen thus far. But, you know, I, I think that this is a team that can go far, and we'll certainly see uh, if if the dogs have some magic there. Maybe we'll see Coach Baldwin when we drive over in need of a last resort. Sure, yes. Yeah. Make Make that trip, even though we don't play at Georgia. No. Oh, we just have to find a way to get that. Do it. Look, we have a whole week off at the end of <laughs> April. It's crazy. I mean, we could go everywhere. <laughs> we could go to the beach with Anthony Sanella Realty. Well, that's definitely on the list. Lots of options. Coming up next, we talk with the head coach of Auburn. That would be Mickey Dean. Alabama fans, I do not suggest that you skip it. I, I know that sometimes the rivalry, people say, I don't want to hear – what Auburn has to say. Mickey Dean has some really, really smart things that he says about life, about growing up, about teaching young people in this interview. That is really, frankly, quite profound. Absolutely. I was, I was really uh, blown away with what he had to say uh, in addition to what he has for this, for this uh, team too. So uh, it's definitely worth listening to one way or the other. Yeah. Don't ditch Alabama fans. It's good stuff. Auburn's head coach, Mickey Dean, We'll talk about it more and play that audio when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. Okay, here we go. Mickey Dean at Auburn. Tom, a quick disclaimer. Coach Dean did have some audio issues while we were recording this. I This is really one of the only interviews I, I edited heavily at the end. It only kicked in for the last three or four minutes. So some things here and there you might have to figure out exactly what's being said. Some things might be cut around. Some pauses might be long, but the message is what's important. And I, I think coach Dean had some really good things to say. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I say it, it's important, you know, it, as an Alabama fan, it's important to know what, what Auburn has. So that, that's one reason to listen to it. Uh, but like you said, some, some really good life lessons uh, toward the end of this interview. Shall we play it? Let's do it. Mickey Dean for Auburn. He's the final coach here on day two of Softball Media Days, presented by Anthony Sanella Realty. We're back with more Softball Media Days, and now we head to the Plains and chat with the head coach of Auburn University, Mickey Dean, joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. Coach Dean, hello. Good to see you. How you doing? War Eagle, I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing fantastic. We will not return fire with, uh, <laughs> with the, the, the only Eagles, time but... that the only time that phrase is allowed is when we're talking to Coach Dean. <laughs> ah, uh, almost got you. Almost, almost. <laughs> Coach, it's great to chat with you again. We loved talking with you last year, and um, you know, 2021 was such an interesting year for your program. There were a lot of bright spots, but I think uh, you know the overall record probably not what you wanted. What were your main takeaways from the team that you saw last year? Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, we, uh, I thought we struggled offensively. Um, uh, I think we, uh, we ended up uh, losing 15 to 17 one run ball games. And uh, I, I just, you know, yeah, you, you just, you can't walk away from it and say that, uh, 
it was much of anything else other than offensively we struggled. And what, what have you looked towards uh, to improve that for the 2022 season? Well, we really focused hard in the weight room, to be quite honest, to uh, increase our strength and our power and our quickness. And, um, you know, we've, we've got, uh, I think, 17 or 18 freshmen and sophomores, and they've really done an outstanding job in the weight room this year. And uh, we feel like we brought in some pretty good hitters, uh, offensive players in this, in this freshman class. And, uh, you know, it was nice to have a fall season. So I, th I think we were able to see some of that develop for us. Yeah, and Coach, one of those hitters you've got returning is Michaela Packer, and, and she was so strong last year as a freshman. How will her role expand this season as she has that year of experience under her belt and goes into a, a sophomore year where she was the best bat on your team last season? Well, I, th I think it's more of a leadership role this year. You know, even though she's a young player, a lot of players look up to her, you know, uh, in, in the weight room, she really leads by example. Um, we, we do a competition um, in the weight room and, you know, she's, she's our leader in, in, in that. And uh, the other players look up to that and they, they have figured out how to challenge each other and, and really improve in that area. And then of course, I think we're playing the field. Uh, if there's a ball in the air, she feels like the ball is in the air. She should be able to catch it. And she goes, she goes all out. Uh, most of the games in the fall, she batted lead off for us because we wanted to get off to a strong start. And, and she was able to provide that for us. You mentioned being able to have a, a fall season this year. Uh, was there anybody out off, uh, anybody else offensively from the returning a core of group that you have coming back that really stood out with you and their, with their play in the fall? You know, it was, it was exciting because we had several, you know, we don't just play the eight fall games, but we enter squad as well. And uh, Lizzie, Lindsay Garcia had a really good fall season. Uh, Carly McCondishy, uh, Maddie Majors, Kelsey Smith, uh, and Aspen uh, Godwin. Uh, those, those are the ones that really, really jump out at me. Uh, Sydney Cox, uh, she was just, she was who she is. She was, um, she just kept it going. And, and so there was no real fall off with Sydney, but I thought Sydney hit the ball pretty decent for us last year. Auburn head coach Mickey Dean joining us for softball media days. Coach, I said this publicly. I said this privately. I said this to a lot of people. One of my favorite pitchers to watch last year was Shelby Lowe. I mean, just dynamic in the circle as a freshman. She has so much talent, so much ability. She was really kind of your workhorse as the season rolled along last year. What has she done here in this offseason to get even better going into her sophomore campaign? Well, you know, we sat down at the end of the year last year. We had exit interviews with each player. We do that each semester. And, um, you know, there are certain things that I recognize that she has to work on and, and other players as well. Uh, but one of the things that she said that I knew that was, you know, because Shelby doesn't come from a background where she's done a lot of the weight room and conditioning stuff. She's relied on her talent. It's been good for her. Uh, but she was tired at the end of last year. Um, and, 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 and it showed. Uh, so when she sat down in the office, we started talking and I said, so, so, you know, what what do you want out of this? What what's what's your what's your journey here? And she's like, well, you know, I want to I want to compete for an SEC championship and 
and go to the World Series. I said, so personally, where do you think you were? Do you feel you were strong? Do you feel you were tired? She said, I was tired. I said, so what do you think you really need to do? And she says, I need to get stronger. I need to increase my endurance. And I said, you're exactly right. I said, you know, uh, imagine as tired as you are, if, if, if we're going to pursue an SEC championship and we're going to we're going to play to go to the World College World Series, you're going to have to be able to pitch 10 more games than what you just pitched this year. And Shelby's a homebody. She, you know, she's from out in the country and western part of the state. And, you know, she has a really close family. And she leaves that meeting, goes out and calls her dad, mom and dad, and says, hey, um, I'm spending the summer here. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out in the weight room. And you could really see that in her body uh, and her legs this fall. Um, and, and it was just, it was nice to see her get it. And it was nice to see her work on it. It's one thing to get it, but then do you actually work on it? And she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always, what I call her duck, you know, when it, when it's, when times are going bad and it's raining or whatever, it just rolls off her back. And she's on to the next pitch. And she's exactly what we want our hitters to have. Just on to the next pitch. Let it roll off your back and keep on moving forward. Well, Coach, as a fan of Shelby Lowe, uh, I love to hear that. That fires me up. And how much as a coach did it fire you up that, you know, as a freshman, so young, she was willing to just say, you know what? I'm just staying here and I'm going to get better and better and better because I need to do it for my team and for this program and for, uh, to get to the level of ability that I know I have. It, it was awesome. It really was. Uh, when we got done with our exit meetings last, uh, last spring, uh, you know, cause we came out where we just lost three in a row or four in a row. Uh, we lost in the SEC tournament. We lost two straight at regionals. So you, you're kind of down and, you're like, all right, you're kind of feeling your way. And then to have the exit meetings that we did at the end of the season really lifted me up. I mean, it gave me great spirits. And, uh, man, I was I was ready to start the next week. I was like, you know, these kids, they wanted to get rolling. Um, it's a shame we're going to have to wait to August. But uh, it was worth the wait. And when you see a, a player respond like that, does it also – uh, inspire the rest of the team to, to kind of follow her her leadership, even with even her being a, a rising sophomore, uh, that she can really be a leader on the team as well? Yeah, I think it does. I think when they when they realized that she was sticking around and she was going to spend time in the weight room, and they knew coming back in the fall that that was going to be our focus, we told them that we would take time off the field if we needed to, the focus in the weight room. Because we, we when we walk on the field – we want to already have won. We want, we want to know that our strength and our power and our quickness and our speed, we've already won the game. Let's go play it and go win it now on the scoreboard. And, I mean, from day one when we hit that weight room and we hit the conditioning, I mean, it was full steam ahead. It really was. It was full steam ahead. Um, in, in my 25 years, this is the most players I've ever had squat over 300 pounds and the the the, it's just it was remarkable to watch and you're not talking about a team of 17 or 18 
juniors and seniors. You're talking about a team of 17 to 18 freshmen and sophomores. Mm. So those numbers for me are remarkable. Well, Coach, uh, Shelby's not going to have to do it by herself. Maddie Pinta came on and had a really good season for you last year as well. Uh, what does the dynamic of, of uh, Pinta and Lowe look like to you coming up here in 2022? Well, they're two very different pitchers. And, you know, not just that one's a righty and one's a lefty. They're just, they're just two very different pitchers. They attack in different ways. And uh, for us, that's a good thing because it makes it difficult for our opponent to prepare. And, and you can also use them in combination in a game. So if, if someone's getting in a rhythm with one, you can bring someone in who's extremely different and from the opposite side. Uh, and that helped us a couple of times last year, especially late in the season, uh, when they, you know, they were getting a lot of innings under them. We were able to do some combo stuff and, and pull out some wins there late in the season. Auburn head coach Mickey Dean joining us here for Softball Media Days. Coach, a couple times now you've referenced the youth on your team, and of course that includes multiple newcomers coming into Auburn this year. Who should we really be on the lookout for this season? Well, you know, that's that's the exciting part. Um, uh, we've had some kids that, you know, we recruited and we were expecting some things out of them and, and we're glad that we're seeing it. But then we had some kids that, you know, we, we recruited, but we thought, well, let's see how long it takes them to develop. And they really, they really showed out this fall. Uh, you know, I, I think for us, it starts behind the plate. I think we have you know, not only one of the pitching, best pitching staffs, but I think we have one of the best catching groups in the country uh, with Aspen Godwin, uh, Aubrey Lisenby, and Jesse Blaine. And, you know, Aubrey and Jesse come in as two very highlighted catchers, uh, strong bats, a lot of power, uh, and they, they were able to showcase that and, 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 and really develop that in the fall. Then you move to shortstop, and we have uh, – um, Nelia Peralta, who was a highly recruited player, and, and she really did a nice job of learning the game. Uh, it's funny that she and Aubrey are, are roommates, and, and they just – they really, really just focus in on that hitting, and they, they kind of they lead in that way in, in the way that they, they – their work ethic when it comes to the hitting part. Um, Others in the infield, Rose Roach has come in and done a tremendous job for us. She really has. Uh, Rose is that kid that could play really anywhere in the infield or the outfield. And she's come in and, and, uh, and along with Sydney, uh, have really put us deep and, and really solid at that second base area. Uh, Bree Ellis, big first baseman from Texas. Uh, you know, you look at her and you think, well, she's going to be a great hitter, but she's really – she's a great defensive player. She has very soft hands. She knows how to play the position. She has really good footwork around the base. Um, and then you move to the outfield. You've got Abby Smith, who has really good speed. But sometimes, you know, you have those good kids, those kids with really good speed, and they don't know the game that well. So you're like, well, I hope we can use her as a base runner. But she's probably one of our best base runners as a freshman. Um, just her instincts. Um, you know, we're trying to tell her kids still on a change up. And the next thing you know, Abby's, she's got it. She's got it. She's, 
stealing on those change-ups. And, uh, and I would say even with Michaela in the outfield, she's, she may have the strongest arm in her outfield. And, um, and that says a lot because Michaela's got quite a strong arm as well. So I, I know I'm going to leave some kids out there, but uh, they, they've just done a nice job. Riley McNamara has done a really nice job coming in. Um, Kennedy Cooper, uh, a lot faster than I thought she was going to be. And she's a kid. She's a kid. She's going to get her opportunities this year. But really in the future, I think you're going to see this kid like really pop out at you. Mm-hmm. Um, she has the body of an athlete, you know, softball player. And she's really gotten a lot stronger. Uh, she's starting to really understand what she might really be, how good she could really be. So I got a little long-winded there. But as you can tell, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about our kids. Uh, I can't wait to watch them play. Um, so, yeah. Now that's why we, to, uh, we want you to be long-winded talking about your team. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Coach, a couple of uh, general questions about just the state of the game as a whole. And uh, first of all, we've seen really the explosion of the transfer portal uh, in the last few years. Um, has has that changed the way that you recruit or the way that you uh, set up your roster, knowing that there's a possibility you could, one, either lose a player or there's always a chance you can go in there and grab somebody if you need it? Well, you know, uh, I had a job. And my job is, is to build this program and, and, and really develop the players. Uh, so the transfer portal hasn't been that big to this point, but I do see it have a, having a larger impact moving forward. Uh, I really, we really, we really worked hard on our mindset and our culture. And I think you have to develop that. You have to bring in the kids that 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 you can develop that with, and and that's what we've really worked hard on. I think moving forward, to be quite honest, to remain competitive at a high level, you're going to end up using that transfer portal. Uh, um, and and um, I'm not here to debate whether it's good or whether it's bad, but. You know, uh, I think it is going to have a large impact moving forward, yes. I think you're exactly right, Coach. I mean, I, I know I think a week or two ago, Dabo Sweeney, who has said for years, we're not going to bring portal kids into Clemson. He said, right. well, now I think you have to. I mean, as good yeah. as your culture can be at times, it, you just need to bring somebody in because it's just the way of college sports right now. Yeah, I think I think initially you have to develop that strong culture. Um you know, there's been some coaches that have been with programs for 15, 20 years. It made it easier for them initially using that transfer portal for us. Uh, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't want to go that direction. We didn't want to go that direction. Um, but I believe moving forward, we're, we're getting the culture to where we like it. Uh, we're getting the, the, the mind frame to where we like it. And so now I think you can start you can start really using the transfer portal to your advantage. Well, Coach, some big news in the offseason in the SEC. Two teams are coming, and they're not bad at softball. Oklahoma and Texas are joining the conference uh, in a couple years, potentially, maybe next year. I mean, who really knows when it's actually going to happen? But either way, you've got two powerhouses coming into the league. What were 
your thoughts when you saw that news and what does this mean for the conference going forward? I think it's exciting. You know, I really do. Um, it just, it, it makes a stronger conference, the conference stronger. Um, and, you know, it's, <laughs> I look forward to it. I really do. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, I'm interested to see how they move the conference forward is, you know, is there going to be divisions? Is it, you know, what's it going to look like? Uh, I know they already do that in football, but uh, are some of the other sports going to move to that? And uh, I'm sure the higher powers already know what direction they're moving in. But of course, uh, I'm a softball coach, so I'm not aware of those things yet. <laughs> uh, so, something else we've uh, all had to deal with here the last 18 months or so, COVID, obviously, the, the pandemic and uh, shutting down everything 2020, 2021, kind of back to normal, but there were still restrictions. Um, how has going through what everybody's gone through, has that changed the way that you uh, coach and manage your squad? Um, yeah. Just dealing with everything? It, it, you know, it hasn't been the easiest road, but we made it through it. <laughs> that's, yeah. I guess that's the best way I can put it. It's uh, been more, more restrictive. You know, we we're able to do a team retreat this year. Finally, we're being able to do dinners and, and really enjoy each other. You know, we do team dinners every other week. Uh, you know, our big thing out of the out of the team retreat. The one thing I wanted us to get out of that was the ability to listen. That's it. Just the ability to listen, because everyone at some point they have something important to say, and and you need to hear it. But uh, yeah, we're just talking about being able having the ability. Uh, to listen to each other instead of talking over each other all the time. I think social media um, has has gotten us to the point where, well, we do a lot of talking, but we do we really listen to each other? And I think it's important that we do that. All right. More changes have happened in the offseason, Coach. Rules changes. Uh, an extra day at the World Series, which we're very excited about. No more playing until 2 a.m., 3 a.m., replay coming to the conference yeah the box rule is much better not as strict as it was the last couple seasons among all those and all the other stuff that the rules committee put out was there anything that excited you uh, in particular I, I think at that point people want to see the best of each team and we were putting our teams in situations where you weren't seeing their best play um they were just trying to get through it. And so I think the postseason being expanded like that will definitely enhance uh, the play that we're seeing. We're seeing some great stuff on postseason, but I think it's only going to get better. I think the competition will, will be even that be even better. Uh, so, and I love that we're going to have the replay. I call it the common sense year. Uh, we're using our common sense to, to put some play, some things into play that, uh, you know, maybe we're five, six years behind and now we're just catching up. I like that. Uh, yeah. Common sense. Yeah. Common sense, not always at the forefront when, when rules and things like that are made. So I, I totally agree with you with that one coach. And uh, last thing before we let you go, coach, we do a segment here on the podcast uh, every week called Tom's hungry, where we talk about everywhere we eat when we're out on the road, we uh, took oh, in wow. some, yeah, took in some really good places that when we were down at Auburn uh, last year. Uh, but just wanted to get 
What are some recommends recommendations from you next time we're down on the planes? Down on the plane, I I, I think uh, Big Mike's Steakhouse is really good. Um, you know, I'm not a big restaurant guy, so uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the some of the names of the newer places that uh, that I've been to uh, for breakfast. I like the uh, thing it's called the Broken Yoke. Um, so I, I like that for breakfast. Uh, you can't go wrong with Hamilton's. It's always, it's always very good. Uh, the Hound, you know, they have some of the best steaks in town as long, along with Big Mike's. Um, and, you know, here in Auburn, you, you're not going to be cheated when it comes to food and, and restaurants to eat in. So, uh, yeah, bow and arrow. Man, I can stand here all night and name all these restaurants, and uh, <laughs> they got everything too. We got a, uh, it's called uh, the new place called the Walk right down there. It's uh, really good uh, if you like uh, uh, sushi. So we got we got barbecue, we got sushi, we got steak, we got pork, we got chicken. Uh, great places, great places. And then wow. uh, I guess uh, you know you've got. Uh, Magnolia is right there on the corner if you need some ice cream or or something like that. So you won't go hungry here. That, was that's, that enough places for you? Absolutely. For not a restaurant guy, you know a lot of restaurants. I was about so to say, <laughs> great list. Yeah, we, we, we'll take that. I about it. <laughs> well, and, and most places they'll they'll give us a hard time but they'll actually serve us even if we're wearing alabama stuff so it, it's all it's all fun and games down there it's good times <laughs> yeah, it's, say war eagle when you walk through the door <laughs> that what one lady i think at mama goldberg's actually did make a joke about that about us having to having to say that um and we politely declined <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Auburn head coach Mickey Dean joining us here for softball media days coach thank you so much for hopping on with us it's awesome to chat with you as always best of luck this year and uh, we will not see you in the regular season but we'll see you at the SEC tournament sounds great you guys be safe out there and uh, thank you thanks so much coach thank y'all welcome back that was Mickey Dean the head coach at Auburn we've talked about his philosophy thoughts and how much we loved that. And I sure hope you listeners at home did bottom line. I also thought he was really honest. He, he said straight up, our offense was not good last year. And that was the problem. How many times did you get a text from me that said something along the lines of poor Shelby Lowe just doesn't have the help. Yeah. She would throw a three hit one run allowed game and they'd lose one, nothing. It happened in the postseason, And I, I think that that's the biggest question for Auburn. Do they have the pieces to improve on offense? I think I need to see it, but still they've got Shelby Lowe, and that's a great place to start in the circle. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one thing is that if you're able to keep the other team from scoring, then you're going to be able to kind of work some things out offensively. But like you said, there are way too many games where Auburn lost one nothing, 2 nothing type game. Uh, they're going to have to find the offense that's going to be at least uh, be able to supply some run support uh, for that defense, for that offensive, or excuse me, for that pitching staff uh, to be able to keep them in ball games. Uh, it's, 
It's going to be a team that they're going to need some breaks to bounce their way. They're going to need to develop something. They're a team that's not going to just fold and go away. That's for sure. Yeah. Also got to get more out of Maddie Penta. Um, she had a great start to the year, kind of faded as the regular season went on. Shelby Lowe went from the number two when we were in Auburn right. to becoming the unquestioned ace by the end of the year. But Maddie, Maddie Penta still has that potential. So if she can get back up to that level, that makes that team even better. But again, it's, it starts and ends with the offense. Um, I, I think that in every preseason poll, you're going to see Auburn's probably going to be picked pretty low in the hierarchy of SEC teams just because we got to see it from that offense. I, I trust Coach Dean. I, I think that he can craft that from that roster but I need to see the proof first. 100%. And, and also uh, shout out to Coach Dean for saying not a, not a restaurant guy and then giving us a great list of restaurants. Just, I mean, look at this, Tom. <laughs> I, I wrote down eight things. Yeah. I mean. Be ready to go. He, I, I don't like to go out, but, and then just like, we could <laughs> go for a week. Right. Just all set, all types. Uh, Mickey Dean, he kept mentioning steak places. Uh, let's go have a steak with Mickey Dean. That'd be fun. I'm down. I, Coach, we're, we'll call you. Right. That's that's how it's going to we'll, work. We'll wear neutral colors. It'll be fine. That'd be great. I'll wear black. It's fine. <laughs> okay. That concludes all the coaches here on day two of Softball Media Days presented by Anthony Sinella Realty. When we come back, final thoughts from our chats with Difel, Baldwin, and Dean. Plus, what's coming up in day three? It's four coaches, Tom. Oh, wow. Buckle up. <laughs> Break it up a little bit more. Start the drive to DC now. That's <laughs> how long it'll take. That's next here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Okay, final thoughts from Courtney Dyfel, Tony Baldwin, Mickey Dean here on day two of Out of the Box Softball Media Days presented by Anthony Sinella Realty. We'll talk more about Anthony Sinella Realty in just a minute, Tom, but your main takeaways from today's coaches. Uh, well, uh, like we talked about, I don't think Arkansas is going anywhere. They are going to be in the conversation, if not uh, maybe some people's picks to be the, uh, the SEC regular season champion again this year. Going to be just as good, if not better. And then, you know, with Georgia and Auburn, um, the question marks are there, but they can certainly put it together. And they may be two teams that will be better than their re- final record indicates at the end of the year. And a team that if they're uh, not hosting the number two in a regional that, that some hosts are not going to want to see. Yeah, Georgia in particular, if they're not hosting that offense, if things go according to plan, whoo, you don't want to be mm, – mm. don't do not do it. No. Look out. <laughs> I think of the uh, the clip from the office, Michael Scott. Nope. Don't like <laughs> don't that. like that. No. <laughs> and you're right. Arkansas is not going away. Although, Tom, I, I will be honest with you. I kind of want to go away. I want to go to the beach. Oh, yes. See what you did there. Thank you. Professional. It's cold, y'all. <laughs> Let me go to the beach. Dadgummit. Now, if I wasn't working, you know, women's basketball and all that jazz, maybe I would. But right. y'all can do that mm-hmm. with Anthony Sanella Realty. AnthonySanellaRealty.com. Call him 251-301-7694. Anthony Sanella, part of Alabama Beach Realty. Mobile, down to Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, that whole area down in South Alabama and along the Panhandle. Hit him up rentals you can buy you can invest you can sell if you have a place down there already do it all with anthony sanella realty anthony sanella realty.com yeah you know, like investments a very interesting one there as well you know you can buy some property down there and and you can make some money off that's the long-term plan with where we are currently recording tom really so yes oh, there's oh, an wow. investment like it yes business and whatnot the acumen <laughs> is is high with 
meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is why I should stick to sports for so many reasons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, check out our friend Anthony Cinello Realty. Anthony, C-I-N-E-L-L-O, Realty, R-E-A-L-T-Y.com. Check him out. Go rent a place. Enjoy the beach while we're up in Tuscaloosa. Part of, part of Alabama Beach Realty and part of Bama U. That's right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Catchphrase. Put it in. Bam. <laughs> You're, I won't even charge you for that one, Anthony. <laughs> Very good. Day three. <laughs> is coming up. So we structured the format a little differently this year. Last year, we did four coaches on the last day because we had a fall ball episode. This year, we do not. It made more sense to discuss fall ball when we had Patrick Murphy on the show. So four are coming up in day three. Tim Walton at Florida, Beth Tarina at LSU, Bev Smith at Tom's Hated South Carolina, and Jamie Traxel at Ole Miss. Different teams from last year, Frankly, different off seasons. That's something we'll talk about when we get to get to day three because you had late portal jumps. You had mm-hmm. stories come out. Yeah, I mean, Bev Smith makes some, frankly, incredible comments about the transfer portal. She's absolutely right, yeah, by she's, the way. Yeah, she's correct. I mean, this is a, a stacked day top to bottom. 100%. I'm, I'm really looking forward to everyone being able to hear these four coaches again. Kind of four teams that are all in little different spots as well. Uh, but th- they all have some really interesting things to say, and there's going to be some very interesting teams in 2022. That is coming up on December 7th. Of course, you can always see the schedule and the links and whatnot if you follow the show at out of box underscore pod. You can follow me at gray, G R A Y underscore Robertson. Tom. Yeah, T Canterbury, R T R C A N T E R B U R Y R T R. Enjoying everything that Twitter has to offer. Oh, so much. I love Twitter, he said sarcastically. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. If you follow us, I love Twitter. Right, love, we love that part of Twitter. <laughs> yes. Some of the, I don't need to see all the Twitter moments all the time. I, <laughs> I don't always care about what Olivia Rodrigo wore at the AMAs. I don't need notifications about it. Well, I just want to go about my life. Well, you can click that thing that says see less often and it goes. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. See, I'm also bad at technology. Right. I don't even know how we have a podcast, honestly, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> How did this happen? I don't know. But We're about to do season four. People are listening, so we appreciate I, it. I've edited so many of these. Yes. Oh, I don't know. You, you, you don't want to hear what, what lands on that edit room floor. I know that much. <laughs> or maybe you do. That could be fun. Mm, the out-of-the-box Snatter Cut coming <laughs> in 2027. If you thought these episodes were long. Be like watching Eternals twice. And that's it for day two of Softball Media Days presented by Anthony Sanella Realty. We're halfway through, y'all. We got day three coming up, December 7th. That is a Tuesday. We've got the head coaches at Florida, LSU, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. And we'll cover everything with all those folks in the next show. So get ready. Again, thank you to the coaches who joined us tonight. Thank you to our SID friends who responded so quickly. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And as Tom said last episode so eloquently, breaking up the episode because, you know, you're busy and you don't need to sit and listen for an hour 45 or more. Just straight on out. But again, if you do, God bless you. I mean, thank you. But I'm sure everyone has lives and other things going on right now. Families. Thanksgiving. Christmas. Yeah. Speaking of Tom's, yes, indeed. (laughs) From my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson saying so long. We'll see you next time on the Out of the Box podcast as part of Softball Media Days presented by Anthony Sanella Realty. See you next time.